Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin. I'm on the phone with Brian. And today we're going to be talking about the 2020 horror film, The Wretched, written and directed by Brett and Drew Pierce, starring John Paul Howard, Piper Corda, Zara Mahler, and Kevin Bigley. This is a movie about a young adolescent who suspects his neighbor is a witch. Um, Brian, uh, I think this movie came out uh, right at the start of the pandemic, correct? Yeah, I think it was released May 1st, 2020. Oh, you know, that's really weird. I thought movie theaters were kind of shut down by May 1st. It was pretty much drive, almost exclusively drive-ins from what I understand. Oh, okay, okay. Got it. That yeah. makes sense. And then uh, I think because of that, uh, it looks like it's the first movie since Avatar to lead the box office for six weeks. Yeah, six weekends in a row. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like got all the movies to follow in Avatar's footsteps. This is so random. Yeah. Yeah, it's really an interesting anomaly, the box yeah. office leader yeah. of the pandemic. I know. <laughs> and and like even if you compare like the box office to uh, Avatar, it's like I think this one made 4.3 million whereas like Avatar was like 2.7 billion. So yeah. it's, it's like <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, and I don't know actually this probably isn't the leader of the pandemic. I shouldn't have said that, but yeah, it was setting records, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Very, very impressive. And yeah, such a crazy time for this to be coming out. I you know, the last movie I saw in theaters this year uh was The Invisible Man. What, what about you? Same, same. Yeah, and, and that was like March, like right before things uh, started happening. And I just figured the, everything was shut down after that. So I, I was surprised that movies were still being released. Yeah. Yeah, I think there were a few that kept going um, and maybe some smaller theaters that kept going. But mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and people got into drive-ins. Right, yeah. Did, did you ever make it out to one? No, I didn't have any near me. Otherwise, I probably would have gone. Oh, they, I, you know, uh, the football field here at Soldier Field or whatever, where where the Bears play. Yeah. Uh, they they were doing drive-ins uh, for a while, but it was like fifty bucks a car or something. But I think you oh got my. a free bucket of popcorn. So I, oh. Okay. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> fine then. Yeah, it's not what they charge for popcorn anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, 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 I would have loved to have been able to catch a movie at a drive-in, but it did not work out that way. Yeah, yeah, I kind of regret it. It could have been fun. I was telling my wife, it's been eight months since I've been in the theater, and I really miss it. Yeah, me too, man. It's funny, like that. I, I always would look forward to that when we'd have a horror film that we could go to the theater and check out. Was, it was some of the most relaxed that I ever am. Yeah. <laughs> or was. I just, I'm alone in a dark room. There's no other distractions. Yeah. No possibility that anybody in my household needs me for anything. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, I, I, I think it's like similar to when people go into nature and unplug. I think the movie theater is kind of a, a similar experience because you're there, you're out of touch with people, you're in the dark. It's a, it's a similar sense of uh, solitude, right? Yeah. I mean, it is the antithesis of being in nature, but it's similar <laughs> in a lot of ways too. You're pretty much focused on one specific thing with no distractions. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost like you're meditating. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah, and, and I think because of this club, I really got into the solo theater visits. I, I, I don't think I used to that before, but damn. I, I love I, it, yeah. I, yeah. I would do it every once in a while, but yeah, ever since we started the podcast, I've done it way more. Yeah, like why would you ever go to the theater with friends? It's, it's so fun to go by yourself and just <laughs> like, yeah, absorb something entirely without 
you have any communicate or anything or socialize. Yeah, you really don't need anybody else there. Yeah, who needs friends? There are certain movies that are fun to see in a group, but... Sure, sure. Not everything. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I can't wait for that to come back, hopefully soon. Um, Genre-wise, uh, I guess, so the, this is a witch movie, um, which I you know, I don't think I uh, figured that out before I saw this, but did, did you know that going into it? I didn't. I knew it was a monster movie. I didn't necessarily think of it as a witch. Even at the end of the movie, I almost didn't think of it as a witch, but yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think, uh, I th- yeah, I mean, I'm curious uh, on like how, how you don't think, uh, but yeah, 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 I guess it did have some monster vibes. The the cover, though, has like a woman in like a skeleton, or like wearing a, a mask of some sort, like an animal Yeah, skull. like an animal skull. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's been a while since uh, I'd, I'd seen a, a movie about witches. I mean, uh, do you, what do you think about witch movies in general, and uh, do you have like some favorites in that genre? Again, like werewolves, this seems like a genre where we haven't quite seen enough of them. Yeah. I mean, I, know. I loved The Witch. Right. The Witch. Love Witch. Love Witch. We watched that one and did an episode on it. Yeah. I feel like there's maybe one more witch movie we did. But yeah, I need to see some more. I need to go back and rewatch The Craft. I haven't seen that in a long time. Oh. Blair Witch. I really liked Blair Witch. Yeah, right. Yeah, The Craft is really cool. You know, I, I was thinking, I, I feel like out of, like, vampires, werewolves, witches, um, uh, zombies, uh, you know, your typical, your typical uh, you know, horror villains, uh, I, I really like witches. I mean, I, I feel like compared to all the rest of them, there's, like, a history there, like, of, of a group of people who've been uh, oppressed. There's, um, you know, there's the whole, like, kind of social construct of, like, who's a witch and who isn't a witch and, like, falsely accusing people and then, like, what it even means to be a witch. Uh, I, I just feel like it's a pretty loaded uh, villain, and I, I kind of like it when, when they use that one. Yeah, I agree. I do. They are pretty compelling now that I think about it. And actually, we watched Gretel and Hansel was probably one of the last movies we saw in the theater as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Earlier this year. Yep. Yeah. and, Boy, and I it feel, feels like forever ago. I know. I know. Oh, man, yeah. That, yeah, I totally forgot about that one. But yeah, don't you feel like witches kind of like are a metaphor for like something so much bigger than like all these other characters? Yeah, there's a lot packed into there. It can it can pack a powerful punch in terms of themes and metaphors and etc. Yeah. yeah, agreed. And uh, well, I feel, I feel like the the good ones in this genre like take advantage of that and use it to its uh, advantage. But we'll see if this one does that or not. Uh, other yeah. genres, other genres you would include in this? Not really. Like I said, I thought of it more as a monster movie. Um, I guess it's a slight spoiler by saying this genre but kind of a body snatchers type thing yeah sure sure um which is why i wasn't thinking of it as much as a witch sure because typically a witch doesn't take over someone's body like yeah literally inhabit the body (laughs) you remember that part of the wizard of oz when she like crawls into dorothy's body (laughs) (laughs) that was my favorite deleted scene (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, uh, there's definitely like some new uh, like witch happenings here that I've I've never seen before. Right. So I, I see where you're coming from on, on that monster thing. Yeah, but I could see if it's a very specific type of witch with its own mythology, which they do kind of provide in the movie. Right. Um, did you? I also got some vibes of like uh, 
maybe some of those more traditional kind of throwback films of like 80s throwback or like a summer at, at like a, your dad's place and a bunch of cool teenagers hanging out kind of thing. Uh, I don't know what to call that genre, but uh, you get that at all? <laughs> yeah, like the uh, fish out of water type story with a kid in a new town. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> trying yeah. to sort it out with a new social group. It's pretty common yeah, across yeah, all so, genres. Right, yeah, I, th- I think we've seen that uh, in other films. Like, I don't know if it's had, no, it didn't have that, but th- there's some other films, right, that we've seen that do that? Yeah, boy, and again, now I can't think of them. I know. It's just so familiar. Some some kid moves to a new town. Things are weird. Yeah. People are making yeah. fun of them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it can be, that can be utilized for a bit of social horror as well. Um, just being in unfamiliar surroundings or when there's a group of people all doing something that you don't quite understand. Even yeah. like Midsommar uses that setup to a certain extent, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Being the outsider looking in on something you yeah. don't understand. Right. That's a bit of a leap from moving to a new town. But yeah, I'm thinking of Twilight. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't think I've seen any of those. Have you? I think that's the premise there. My wife and I were going to watch them all, maybe back <laughs> towards the beginning of this year, and then after the second one, I was like, never mind. <laughs> well, you got two in. That That's impressive. They're not bad enough to be entertaining, but they're not good enough to be entertaining either. <laughs> oh, man, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> should should have made it a little bit worse or, or gotten one way or the other. Yeah, uh, that's a miss. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely a familiar uh, trope. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel like this movie is kind of nodding towards that. Uh, and then yeah, it's got it's got about like a seventy five percent Rotten Tomatoes, so kind of favorable for a horror film. Yeah, uh, fairly good reviews. Are you familiar with these uh, directors? Like they they haven't done a lot, but they go by the Pierce Brothers. Um, would, do, do you yeah, know the only all? other feature film I saw from them saw meaning I saw it on IMDb listed there was Deadheads from 2011 yeah have you seen that no I haven't seen it or heard of it so I hadn't I hadn't heard of these guys yeah me neither um, there was only one person in this that looked familiar to me too and then I realized she was in uh, a movie called Nightmare Cinema on Shudder oh well, who was she Zara Mahler, who played the neighbor woman. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I think I recognized uh, the woman who plays uh, the dad's girlfriend from Jane the Virgin. But, oh, okay. Yeah, m- mostly kind of a, an, it seemed like an unknown cast. Yeah, not not recognizable names or faces for most people. Sure. And but they've been in, they've been in a decent amount of TV and small roles here and there and stuff. Yeah, right. A lot of TV actors, sure, and um, a pretty like modest budget. I, th- I think sixty six thousand. I mean, would you consider that a low budget film? Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, less than a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, I know. So surprised to see that. I think some people might even be calling that micro budget. What really? I can't remember what the threshold is for micro budget. That might be under fifty thousand. Oh, okay. This one is almost there, which is weird because I feel like the production overall didn't feel like a very low budget film. That's true. The production values were pretty high. I am yeah. surprised now that I think more about that number. Yeah, yeah. But the the budget numbers can be can be wrong sometimes. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you mean like it's going to be like understated or something? Yeah, misreported for whatever reason. Understated, overstated. Doesn't include certain things that typically would be included, etc. Yeah. There's no like 
governing body that has to keep track of that or anything. So whatever number they give is the number that goes on Wikipedia. There isn't like a, an official like CPA that does all the numbers and like approves no. the numbers. <laughs> there are accountants on movies, but yeah, um, I would think maybe not on a movie this size. Probably, but it's more like a bookkeeper than anybody who has to report to any public entity. Sure. Well, I, I know that's one thing you and I always advocate for is some kind of universality when it comes to uh, reporting numbers. There for really film. should be, and all the box office numbers should be neatly. <laughs> converted to current dollars in some true like box office mojo is a great resource but it's all past dollars they should uh, yeah have a whole column that converts it in real time <laughs> that'd be so easy to do like what year was it okay now adjust it for that amount it really something. wouldn't it's yeah it's just math i mean yeah it'd be hard within the structure of their website probably but yeah but you think you think a potential for our website Maybe you and I should just start doing that every episode. <laughs> I was doing that back in the day, and then I kind of fell off. Yeah, like adjusting the uh, the, the box office for yeah. present day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's definitely a, a worthwhile value. There's got to be some site that does it overall, right? For like, it looks at all movies over time and like what the real day value is of the box office numbers. Probably, but Box Office Mojo doesn't typically do that, I don't think. They okay. just go by the numbers yeah. from the time. Damn. Missed opportunity. Yeah. But speaking of that and how it looks better than 66,000, um, special effects makeup supervisor was a dude named Eric Porn. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely jumps out at you. But yeah. he's had a really long career. He's worked on Fear the Walking Dead, American Horror Story, Tales of Halloween, Insidious The Last Key, Paranormal 2 and 4, Quarantine, wow. a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then the sculptor, Brian Wade, he's had like a 40 year career all the way back to The Thing, Terminator, Exorcist 3. More recently, he's done Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and the upcoming Zack Snyder movie, Army of the Dead. Wow. Man. So yeah. he's done a lot. I think that might be part, a big part of why things look so good here. Oh, okay. Because you have like these experts that are able to do that. Yeah, and they're not big names as far as I know. Maybe they are in the industry, but I had never heard those names. I don't think they're household names to even diehard horror fans. Um, mm -hmm. if, if they are to you, let us know. Yeah. But um, I think their company is called Bite Mirrors Inc., and I had never heard that name before. But Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I know that that was like flashed uh, earlier on in, in the credits. And yeah, it kind of gave me this impression going through the film that like these makeup effects and everything it is, it's going to be pretty uh, phenomenal. Kind of give, give an impression of like these are legit people. So all you got to do is put that name up front and yeah, and you're buying in. <laughs> you got my attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that, that was the name of Bite Marks? Bite Mares. Oh, Bite Mares. Okay. Yeah. 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 That, that's really clever. Yeah, you know, that's a good question, or a good topic to bring up. The special effects team, I don't know if they're always in the credits, like the pre-title credits. I feel like I've never noticed that until this film. It might have just been the name, but... Uh, I've yeah. definitely noticed it before. I'm guessing maybe it only happens on effects-heavy movies, or with mm. very recognizable companies, but let's pay attention to that. Yeah, 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 I've I mean, I, I figure you're the one that it was names drops uh, the the effects company, so you would know. Yeah, I mean, K and B often is in the 
in the credits. What is that? I'm calling them the pre-title credits, but I don't know if that's the official name. The credits at the beginning of the movie, yeah. GMB is usually there if they've yeah. worked on a movie. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that definitely jumped out here, and uh, it'll be interesting to hear what uh, your thoughts were around the effects. Um, any other background on this, or you got to know how connection for us? Yeah, from our friend Alex, uh, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. You can pick up beer, wine, or food safely from your car, or order it on Grubhub, or go hang out at their socially distanced patio. And Alex connects every movie we watch to our hometown of Ohio for us. Our home state of Ohio, rather. And Alex says, cinematographer for The Wretched was Connor Murphy. His film credits are mostly with small, low-budget art house films such as Mickey and the Bear, Black Swell, and Moondog Airwaves, a short film from a, a couple late-shift stoners at a fast-food joint who are... Wait, sorry. A short film about a couple late-shift stoners at a fast-food joint who are visited by a mysterious stranger. While it is unclear of its meaning as it relates to this film, Moondog was the nickname... For famed radio disc jockey Alan Freed, Freed became internationally known for promoting the mix of blues, country, and rhythm, and blues music on the radio in the United States and Europe, and popularized the term rock and roll throughout the late 1940s and 50s. Alan Freed enjoyed his greatest successes as a disc jockey in the cities of Akron and Cleveland, Ohio, and additionally, his ashes reside in Cleveland's Lakeview Cemetery beneath a jukebox-shaped memorial featuring Freed's image. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That guy, he went by the name Moondog? Yeah, his like DJ name I think was Moondog. And he coined the term like rock and roll or he like made it popular? Yeah, yep. Damn, and he's from Cleveland? Or like he, I guess he d- DJed in Akron in Cleveland? Yeah, I'm not sure that he was born in Ohio, but he famously DJed in Akron and Cleveland, yeah. That's awesome. Wow, good connection. Yeah, there. and buried in Cleveland, so maybe, maybe he uh, lived a good chunk of his life here. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, huh. Wow, that, that, that's crazy. Uh, I, you think that has anything to do with like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or completely unrelated? Yeah, I mean, that was a big part of Cleveland's pitch of why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should be in Cleveland, if I remember correctly. Oh, it was because of this guy? Yeah, I mean, I think they had a myriad of reasons, but he certainly didn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Good, good connection there. Yeah, I, thanks, I thought, Alex. Yeah, I thought this was going to be a pretty hard one, but so he, somehow he did it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, it's awesome. Well, any other background before we jump into the, the plot? No, or that's we... it. Let's move on. Okay, cool. So, yeah, we'll go over the plot. Uh, we'll talk about our review of it. Uh, we'll be hitting some spoilers. But uh, before we do that, do you mind if we take a quick break? I was just going to sit down for dinner. Uh, can I give you a call right back? Yeah, sure, man. Call me back. Cool. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian. Sorry about that. I'm back. Yeah? How was dinner? Uh, it was fine. Something really strange happened. Um, my wife, who usually doesn't eat meat, she started eating a burger. So naturally, I, I stabbed her with a knife because she's obviously a <laughs> witch. Um, but it turns out it was like one of those impossible burgers. So They're pretty convincing, man. They are. <laughs> it looked like the real thing, and it tasted like it, too. It's impressive. Well, I'm hey, sure no one will blame you. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, t- totally understandable. <laughs> One of those domestic, uh, I thought you don't eat meat kind of things. There's no other explanation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boy, there were a couple things in this movie where it's just like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Some pretty loose connections. Yeah. Uh, do you, wait, you're, you're a vegan though, right? No, no, certainly oh, not. Just, vegetarian. I've been vegetarian for the past six months. Okay, okay, got it. Uh, if if you ever start eating meats, you would understand though. If I like try to stab you, right? Yeah, I mean, if I do, please. Okay. <laughs> Kill me. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if there's one way to know someone's a witch. It's it's you know if they <laughs> switch up their diet or something. Uh, all right. <laughs> or I mean, yeah. God forbid, it could have been cashew milk. Oh, Everyone yeah, will know. know what we're talking about when we get to it. If you don't remember, <laughs> I, know, I know. I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> could you imagine that uh, dialogue between them? There's no such thing as cashew milk. How do you get milk from cashews? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, so this, this movie starts out with uh, this flashback from thirty year, thirty five years ago. Um, this girl shows up at a house uh, for a babysitting gig. I think. And the house is empty. She hears some noise in the basement. She goes down in there and she sees this person eating this kid. And uh, she turns around to run. Uh, but uh, before she can escape the basement, this, some man comes and shuts the door. And she gets trapped in there. And uh, that's the end of the opening scene. What did you, you think of this opening? I thought the opening was pretty good. That was pretty dark and creepy with the kid being having its neck torn open and eaten. Yeah, and uh, the, yeah, I, I like the effects on the kid and, and like the blood coming out of the kid. Uh, and then there was was that like a woman uh, that was biting into the kid? Yeah, I guess so. I didn't know who that was. Okay, but she had like blood on her face and stuff from eating the kid. And, and then at this point, do you hear like the cracking noises like the witch makes when they turn their head? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think you hear, hear the sound that's going to become like a signature. Uh, sound throughout the film is like this right. Kind of it's almost like bones cracking into place or something. Yeah, and like kind of like disjointed movements. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. This is a, a nice little hook in the beginning. Good way to pull you in. That is a nitpick of mine. Is that throughout the movie the bone cracking twitchiness of the movement? It feels a little outdone. Oh yeah, or totally. overdone. I mean, yeah, overplayed. Uh, like yeah, it's it's like one of like the signature moves here, and it just they they overuse it. I think. Yeah, I also just feel like I've seen it in a bunch of other movies. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's, I think we've seen that in a lot of places. Um, so yeah, we, we jumped to not quite present day, but I think it says, like, doesn't it say five days ago or something? 35 years ago, I thought it was. Oh, the opening is 35 years ago, but then when it jumps to present day, doesn't it say like five days ago or five days earlier? Oh, I can't remember that. But sure, go on. I'll give you the oh. benefit of the doubt. Maybe not. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, let's let's just say we're jumping back to present day, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's this kid whose name is Ben. Uh, he's visiting his dad for the summer. Uh, his dad works at a marina, and that's where Ben starts working. And while he's working there, he befriends his coworker. It's this uh, other woman named Mallory. So they're a couple of teens. They're uh, you know having some summer fun. Sparks flying in between them. Uh, typical fun stuff. Um, we then jump to the scene of his dad's neighbor, uh, Abby. <laughs> the, <laughs> way, the way you described that just made me think that your teenage romances were very awkward. <laughs> they were. Boy, we're just doing I, typical fun stuff here, aren't we? Yeah, it's it's all stuff I I, I saw the teenagers doing that look like that. Before. 
<laughs> not not the kind of awkward uh, teenage romances I had. Uh, so then we jump to this uh, scene of his dad's neighbor, uh, this woman named Abby. She's out with her son Dylan. They're like walking through these woods, and at one point, uh, her son Dylan hears like a voice calling to him from this tree that sounds like his mother. And we see like these two hands pop out of the tree trunk, and then his before anything happens, his mother finds him, and uh, they head away uh, from the woods. Um, what do you think of this scene? I feel like this is the first time we're kind of seeing uh, the hands of the witch. Um, it was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, Some, it was just okay to me. I just have <laughs> this movie hit like some modern horror monster movie tropes that just irk me slightly, and. So the kid sees the same symbol on that tree that was a symbol on the door of the house. Right. From the 35 years ago sequence. Um, I don't know. It just always seems a little too convenient when there's a symbol for something that really doesn't need a symbol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, though the symbol does come into effect later, but yeah, I, I agree. Like that was kind of too convenient almost. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, enough nitp- nitpicking for me. Go on. Yeah, you get some daytime eeriness here, uh, but I, I hear, like, I feel like uh, it feels very familiar, like two hands coming out of a tree. Um, so then Abby and Dylan get home, and on the way back home, they've hit this buck, and uh, they they bring it home to cut up for meat. Uh, they, they cut open its guts, and, like, all, all this stuff kind of, like, spills out. Is that is that not normal? I think it was just that the insides were a bit putrid. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Like something was wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. It looks pretty gross, whatever came out yeah. of there. Um, so yeah, they, they get home. Um, we That night, I guess something uh, we see something crawl out of the buck. And again, I think we're just seeing the hands for the most part. But some kind of figure emerges out of the dead body of the buck. And it's roaming around uh, Abby and Dylan's home. And we see some fleeting images of it. We hear it like stomping around on the roof that wakes up Ben next door. Um, but yeah, I don't think we get like a clear visual of it, do we? Not really, no. Um, and out of its whole body, at least. Um, right. That looked pretty cool when it was climbing out of the buck. Yeah, yeah. Though, I, you know, did you, do you ever see like its full body or like do you see it from the back or something? I think just the hands emerging was what I thought looked cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was pretty neat. Um, so, uh, one like kind of cool, scary thing that happens this night is, uh, on the baby monitor, uh, Abby's got her baby there and, uh, we see something like kind of come into the room and, uh, like you can see its eyes, I guess, like it, it's like in the shadow and you see its eyes open. Um, I, th- I thought that was kind of a cool visual. Did, did, did you like that baby monitor stuff? Yeah, sure. Baby monitor stuff's always extra creepy to me. Yeah, it is. They really need to design those better. I feel like those, those look really creepy anyway. I told um, you, I think I told you and the listeners about this one time that I turned on the baby monitor and saw a man bending over my child's bed. <laughs> and it was you, right? <laughs> it was me and it was on a delay. <laughs> that scared the hell out of me for a moment. That, that is really scary. That, that's like the movie Scream, like that 15 seconds. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the people who are designing baby monitors, like, kind of like 25% want to like freak out parents. Yeah, this will freak somebody out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, Abby looks at the baby monitor and sees that her baby's not there. So she goes to the nursery to check up on the baby. The baby's gone, and we see two hands come out from under the crib and suck Abby under the bed. 
Um, so I, I feel like we're seeing a lot of like hands of the witch, which uh, instead of like the full bodies or anything. Is that, is yeah, that your... at this point. Yeah. Um, so uh, the next day, we see that Abby's like acting super bizarre. Uh, she's covered in dirt. Uh, at some point, she's like just standing around naked. She's like in a shower, kind of like uh, peeling at her skin. I think we see like stuff moving around under her skin, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's like one. Uh, her skin thing. isn't well. Yeah, her skin isn't well at all. And and that's like a visual I think that's going to be common with the witch is like uh, the witch obviously like climbs inside people and then like kind of like crawls around inside them somehow. Yeah. Um, so she scares her son, uh, her son goes and hides out at Ben's house, um, next door and tells Ben that there's something wrong with his mother. Um, so his mother comes to Ben's door and there's like this kind of, uh, you know, stressful kind of like a really tense confrontation between Abby and Ben where, uh, she's calling him like a stupid kid and he's like, you got to get out of here. Um, but eventually Dylan's dad shows up and takes Dylan away. Uh, back to the house. Uh, do you feel like you got a sense of like the the witch here in Abby as she's talking to Ben? I think Abby was successfully creepy. Yeah, and and like the transformation is pretty clear between like who she was in the beginning uh, versus now. Like she's gone from wearing a t shirt to a dress. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, now that she's in that dress, as soon as she k- picks up any sort of milk, yeah, I've got to kill her. I know. <laughs> Those two things combined, you know, <laughs> dress and milk. I feel so. like it was, uh, you know, I wasn't blown away or anything, but this was a competent performance in her switch after she was possessed, right? Yeah. I mean, she was definitely like a lot warmer in the beginning and like more jovial and kidding around. And yeah, now she's like this really like serious, like tense. Uh, yeah. Robotic personality. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So you can tell she's possessed, I guess. Um. So then... Um, oh yeah. So, so the next day Dylan doesn't show up to his, uh, sailing class with Ben, which I feel like is like the whitest thing I could say right now. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what kid goes to sailing lessons? Did you, did you have those by any chance? No, I did not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just a random thing. I guess kids, uh, some kids get to to partake in. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't remember getting those. Uh, so Ben, Ben goes to Dylan's house and, uh, the father answers the door and he's like, Hey, Dylan didn't show up, but the father has no idea who he's talking about. He's like, I don't have a son. There's no, I don't know who Dylan is. I don't know what you're talking about. So Ben gets super sus- uh, suspicious here. And I think we have a number of scenes after this where it's just like him paranoid watching his neighbor's house with like binoculars and just like kind of keeping tabs on them and, uh, getting suspicious that something's going on here. Which, did you ever see that movie Disturbia from years yeah. ago? Yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, did this remind you at all of it? Yeah, for sure. I had some Disturbia rear window vibes. Yeah, yeah, like the neighbors are up to something, and I'm this like paranoid person that no one believes, but I'm going to try to figure out what's going on. Right. So, at this point, uh, he, I think he sees that image somewhere, like on their door or something, the one you mentioned earlier. He puts it into Google Image Search, which, uh, I don't, have you ever used that? I, I, I don't even know that was a thing. Um, I have used it to look for images in, like, a better resolution, but I haven't, like, used it to search for different instances of that image, although I guess that's probably what I was doing when I used it that way. Oh, like you, anyway. uploaded, a, you <laughs> uploaded a photo and then you, you searched for it? 
Yeah, I think it was when I was trying to find pictures for an article on our website. Like, I found a picture, but the resolution was poor, so I searched for that picture and found ones that had better resolution. Wow, that's really cool. I need need to use that sometime. That's awesome. Yeah. Fancy. Uh, So, yeah, he he kind of figures out that uh, he thinks Abby's some kind of witch and that this witch can feed off of the memories of the forgotten or or feed off of the forgotten so basically she convinces the witch convinces people that like their loved ones don't exist anymore and then she eats them i think that's how this works yep so, and he found this on wikipedia.com oh yeah <laughs> is that a real thing by any chance <laughs> i don't know i should have checked yeah yeah i know i try this uh so one night he sneaks into the cellar of their house and uh, he finds a picture of his coworker Mallory and her sister, and he realizes that the witch is the, the witch is after Mallory's sister. He tries to warn Mallory, but it, he's too late because uh, Mallory's already forgotten about her sister because of the witch witch's power. He sees the witch walking into the woods with Mallory's sister and goes after them, but isn't able to save her uh, because she gets pulled in under a tree, and Ben uh, falls and hits his head and he passes out. When he wakes up, he goes home, and uh, the police are there. Uh, he notices her, his uh, dad's girlfriend, who is a vegan. Uh, she's pouring herself a cup of milk, and these flowers next to her are dying. And so he puts two and two together, which, right? Yeah. And obviously doesn't ask about the cashew milk. Um, I, I guess that doesn't exist in this, this uh, universe here. <laughs> but uh, he tries to stab her. Um, the dad jumps in, um, and uh, Ben gets taken away by the police. Um, so, what what happened here? Did the how did what happened to Abby as the witch, and how did this woman become the witch? I don't know when or where the switcheroo happened. Okay, yeah, me neither. Maybe when she went back to her lair, she shed that skin. Oh. Oh. You do see Abby's body in. Oh no! Wait a minute. Yeah, I think you like you coming up later. See it? Yeah. yeah. I don't know that the mechanics of some of this plot were a bit unclear to me, and there's there's something I have a, a major problem with that by the end of this. So okay, we'll get there. And 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 like did that that whole scene with the pouring of the milk? Did you uh, understand that right away? I didn't figure that out until this morning. I was I was wondering why they were hitting on the fact she was vegan the whole time. <laughs> you just <laughs> shot out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah. The milk. <laughs> that's what it was i thought i thought he just saw like a flower die next to her and like tried to stab her but uh, you, you i figured that out. i did notice that because earlier in the car she had said she can't do dairy anymore yeah they were making a big deal about i feel like they mentioned that once or twice how she's vegan. yeah because i was like are there like themes of veganism veganism and <laughs> meat eaters in this because they brought home that buck to eat the meat after they hit it with yeah. their car yeah <laughs> underlying message about <laughs> not eating meats yeah uh yeah okay well like good for you for figuring that out right away I, I don't know why that took me a while to figure out um so you know I I think when I watch these films I don't like critically thinking which is which is bad I think I <laughs> it's not like you have a podcast or anything <laughs> I know <laughs> I know I know it makes this a lot harder well I um, mean it's it's to be honest that's a, a difficult thing about this is watching a movie as a viewer and just really kicking back and getting lost in it or analyzing it critically and trying to find a happy medium of both because if you do too much analysis you cannot enjoy the movie right right exactly yeah i know it's really hard to find that balance for sure yeah 
I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I try to like watch it first run, like just to enjoy it. And then like afterwards kind of go back and think about it more, but you find yourself kind of trying to do both at the same time. I do. And I take notes while I'm watching, which is another thing I miss about the theater. I don't take notes in the theater. I just sit yeah. in my car alone in the parking lot in the dark, like a creep and try to write <laughs> everything down in my phone while it's still in my mind. Yeah, pretty sure it's safe to say people who sit alone in their cars in theaters uh, texting people are kind of fall into the creep category. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> people walk by me and they're like, I bet the theater is one of the happiest times of his life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's got a stupid podcast where he tells people that. I know. <laughs> that dude's got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, notes of balance. And yeah, nothing kills a scary movie more than uh, having to take notes during it. So yeah, that puts us at a disadvantage. Um, but yeah, so uh, Ben gets taken away by the police and we see the w- the girlfriend who is the witch uh, t- talk to the police and uh, we know at this point she has like the ability to influence people. So the police uh, drive him to um, like the beach and try to kill him by like drowning him. But uh, Ben's able to escape and the policeman is about to shoot him but he can't bring himself to do that so he ends up just killing himself. Um, meanwhile, at, at home, Ben's dad has wandered into the neighbor's house. He finds uh, all these sticks and this mural of all the photos of everyone who's been kind of kidnapped and forgotten. His girlfriend shows up, who's dressed as the witch, um, and she's wearing the animal skull, which I, I love this visual. What did you think of that? Yeah, that was cool. She was just behind him in the animal skull and stabs him. It, it was cool. Yeah, and you know, that that's the cover of this film. I, I kind of wish we got to see that uh, visual more, but uh, that, that was really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, but before she can kill him, Ben shows up and shoots her. So Ben and the dad escape, the house is kind of burning down, and we see this witch come crawling out of the dead body of uh, his girlfriend. Um so uh, now that the pictures, now that the house is burning down, the pictures also light on fire and start to burn up. And I guess once the pictures start to burn, everyone's memory comes back of the kids that they've for- forgotten or lost. And so we get a big twist here where Ben suddenly realizes that he's had a brother this whole time that uh, he just kind of was brainwashed into forgetting about. Uh, and we see like these flashbacks of like scenes that were earlier in the movie, but now they have like this little kid in them that was his brother. Um, what what the hell was going on here? Like, did, did this make sense to you? <laughs> no, because so yeah, some of those scenes like the movie starts. He's on a bus to his dad's house, and he's got a cast on his arm. And some old lady turns and goes, "Oh, you're quite the little artist, aren't you?" And there's like one name signed on his cast. So you're like, "What's she talking about, artist?" Yeah. And you see somebody talk. I think um, the neighbor, she comes over and she's talking. It appears to nobody. And then when they flash back, she was talking to the kid, the little brother. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. When when she came, when Dylan was hiding in his room? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And she's like, you're a naughty boy or something like that. And he's like, boy, I'm 18. But she was talking to his little brother. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... Here's the thing, though. Movies have done that before, right? Where somebody, you view the story through their lens of reality, right? What they see is 
a projection of themselves in a lot of movies, like a Fight Club type movie. It's not sure. actually another character. It's a projection of themselves, maybe. Or, you know, other movies have done similar things like that without trying to spoil any movies that most people probably have seen anyway. But... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is not only viewing the story through the lens of the main character as he saw it. It's not actually that. It's through the lens of his memory, right? Like, uh, while all those things were happening, he would have known his brother was there. It wasn't that um, he had no ability to even sense his brother's presence. It's that he didn't remember his brother. Oh, yeah, right. Because, like, unless you were seeing this movie in reverse or something, like, as a flashback, uh, like, th- his brother should have been there, right? Right, yeah, unless we're watching his memory of the events. Yeah, yeah. Which is but, just quite a leap in storytelling conventions. I've never seen that. That's true. But actually, now, now that you say that, that kind of makes me think uh, earlier on, I feel like when this movie started after the first flashback, I really think on that first bus scene, it says like five days earlier or something. I'll, I'll have to go back and double check. But I wonder if that was their way of saying like the everything we've seen so far like started like five days ago and uh, and this movie's being told like from some future reference or something. Do you think... That's possible. I don't ever remember then a present day thing. And the present day thing would have had to have happened like pretty close to the end here, right? Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, the, the frame of reference. So, so you're, you're, you're kind of like in a, in a time, uh, this is kind of like a time traveling type of conversation where you're saying if we had actually been with the character over this story arc, like we would have seen that brother uh, up until the point that the brother got kidnapped, right? Right. If we were watching the events as they took place, or even through the lens of that character's reality as they took place, we would have seen the brother. Yeah, yeah. But instead, we're watching them through his memory, which is not like a... If it was a narrated story or something, that could make more sense. Sure, sure. Right? If he was narrating it in the present after he had lost his memory. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, technically, fine. Maybe I'm nitpicking it, but it's quite a jump to me. Yeah, 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 right. So that's a really good detail. There should have been a picture of us, the viewers, in that house that says, this is you, the viewer, (laughs) and your memory is messed up because your eyes are crossed out too, okay? (laughs) Exactly. That would explain our confusion here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what's going on here. (laughs) What did you think, though? Um, no, you know, I I thought about that because I I haven't been able to put, put that whole thing together. Like, so his brother was there, but he wasn't there, so he got uh, kidnapped at some point, and so this kid was under a spell. But then, like, when did that happen, and why don't why weren't we aware of that? But I kind of think there was they they kind of copped out because I'm gonna go back and watch this because I feel like five minutes into this movie they say five days ago, which I was thinking about that this morning how random that was like to have a, a five days earlier thing, unless I'm totally wrong and it didn't say that. But let's assume for a second it did say five days earlier at the beginning of this movie. Do you think that would have uh, been their way of like countering this argument that we're having right now? I guess that would have been their way, but I think then they would have had to say present day at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. You can't just say five days later and then leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but I, I think you're right. I think that, that's a good hold up point out here. But um, I, I also I, I felt like what the yeah I mean like the, this guy had a brother the whole time and. We didn't know that. I felt like they were trying to pull like a huge twist here, which didn't quite land maybe. Yeah, but then he said like, boy, I'm 17 or whatever. So did that mean he just didn't see his brother? Like had he forgotten his brother? I think so. And not only just forgotten, oh. but couldn't sense his presence anymore? 
that doesn't make sense. Well, right. Oh, but do you remember? Uh, so Mallory's sister Lily, she's out of the playground. Mallory's forgotten about Lily, and Lily's like yelling to Mallory, like, "Hey, uh, where are you going?" And Mallory's just like ignoring her. So I think there is like a, a slight delay where the witch convinces you that someone doesn't exist anymore, while that person still exists, and in that period, you uh, that you don't like feel that person anymore or see them anymore. Oh, uh, okay. All right. All right. Well, my whole rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's sorry a good one because I, I hadn't thought about this stuff, but uh, I I think these are really valid arguments, and I feel like the answers that they try to provide don't really add up very well. But then he, she wouldn't have done it. I'm sorry, everybody. This is probably horrible <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> she, on the bus, that wouldn't have. He would have known she was that his brother was there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at that point, right. Because, uh, yeah, they hadn't met the witch yet. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating. Or, or, yeah, at least as a viewer, we would have seen their brother there. That, that's a good yeah. point. Okay, yeah, so there's de- definitely some uh, big plot holes here. But um, overall, the thing they were trying to do is say that he's had a brother and that the, everyone, like the witch had like convinced him uh, or convinced everyone that he didn't. But now that the pictures have all burned, everyone's remembering all these people that they used to have. So Ben realizes he needs to save his brother and Mallory's sister. So he goes to the tree where he saw the witch go under. And he goes under the tree and there's kind of like this witch's lair in a way. And he finds like his brother and, and, and frees him. And then he finds Mallory's sister and helps them escape. Then he battles the witch in there. I mean, she kind of comes after him and like cuts him up. And then he's trying to leave, but uh, the witch grabs his feet but then uh, the dad shows up in, in time and he drives uh, a pickup truck into the tree. So then I think we jump to present day, which, I mean, the future, well, yeah, who knows what time is at this point. Um, ben and his family are leaving town. He's saying goodbye to Mallory. She gives him a flower to put in his hair. And as they're driving away, he realizes that it's a fake flower. And that implies that Mallory now is the witch and the movie ends with her on a boat with a bunch of kids in the water. So probably not great things in the future for them. Yeah. And you, when you say we jump to present day, not really. The story just proceeds. It doesn't yeah. say this is the present day. <laughs> True. Oh, yeah, yeah. The story moves on. Forward on, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look back. Because I, 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 I want to see how they kind of talked around this. But uh, yeah, there's, that's a good loophole to call out. Yeah, look back. And feel free to jump into this recording afterwards, just you and be like, ignore <laughs> everything Brian said. Yeah, I'll probably just record you out because I don't, I'm not going to think you exist anymore. I'll just, <laughs> just be me talking to myself for 47 minutes. Uh, so yeah, what, what, what did you think overall? So as much as I'm dissing this, I do think it was a pretty good like monster movie. It was... Mm-hmm effective in some of the suspense and wondering what's going on there were definitely moments where you know the don't go in there's and the stay in your house type moments where you're kind of feeling the suspense but the twist eh, once it happens you realize some of the stuff in the movie that didn't make a ton of sense or just felt unnecessary was just them stacking up the pieces so that they could put everything in place to make this ending work. Oh, yeah. And I feel like everything they did there was a disservice to the rest of the story. Like this kid. Yeah. He's got a broken arm, 
and it's revealed that it he did it breaking into his neighbor's house trying to steal drugs and fell out the second story window. Mm-hmm. That's his backstory, but it never really comes into effect in the movie. You could argue it does in little ways, but he has no like flaw he has to confront and get over. Like there's no traditional character arc here, really. Sure. Um, yeah. So he just didn't really feel that fleshed out to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of both the the suspensefulness, the monster moviness, and the the characters? I, I agree with you on the on the characters. Like I, I think another movie would have been stronger, um, like by going deeper into his character. And obviously, like he's walking away from something or some experience, and like yeah, they throw in that Vicodin story, but they don't really kind of address it or show how it. The meaning it has so you're saying the only reason that he's got that cast is for as, as like a device for um the plot twist to show that someone was drawing on the cast right like that was the only reason i saw for the cast right it never yeah. even limited his m- movements or anything it was not a weakness <laughs> to him that's true too um, yeah it was just so that you could see an old lady saying, hey, you're quite the little artist. I wonder what she yeah. meant. And then have the flashback to reveal that his brother was there signing the cast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, a lot of the drama, I, I guess to your point, like does feel kind of forced in and maybe to help support that plot twist, which... Um, is is it has some holes in it, so uh, I could I could see that. I mean, I I felt like it, they kind of made the movie a little bit more boring and didn't really like, pay out. Maybe in a way that it would have if you if they worked towards like building up that character or his story arc or like what was going on with him and what he was confronting. But it, it, none of the points really did do that, did they? I don't think so. No, and I think they even could have enhanced the suspense and monster moviness by interweaving his own personal stuff with those that outer plot a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think that's always highly impactful. Yeah. Um, did you feel like you got enough of like him versus the witch? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you mean in the finale or just across the movie? Uh, across the movie, you know, like the, this is a horror movie, and he, the the main villain is is like this witch. I mean, I, I kind of felt like the witch was a little underplayed. I, I didn't feel like there were like strong scenes between him and like this evil uh, presence, but um, you, you did. I think so. I think he didn't want to reveal the hand too early mm-hmm. um, and see a full-out witch battle. So I think the suspense, because then you lose some of the suspense of what's going on at the neighbor's house. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we pretty much can assume something awful is going on, but yeah. I was happy with the balance there. Sure, kind of keeping like that mystery to it in a way where like he doesn't really know what's going on and he's just kind of like paranoid Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see that having some value. I, I think I, I, I felt like a little bit, um, I kind of felt like the ending was a little anticlimactic. Like that whole ending sequence of like the fight in the under the tree. Um, did you feel like that was well done? Um, I think it was competently done, but yeah, it could have been done better. And again, if you had had more character complications or character flaws or something that he had to confront or make a difficult choice about, mm-hmm. it could have enriched that scene there too yeah yeah um but you know there was nothing there yeah on on the on the topic of like confrontation i I do think i you know i want to wonder what you think here but is there an underlying subtext uh because one of the things introduced early on obviously is that you know he lives uh with his mom his parents are divorced and when he gets to his dad's house he notices that he has uh, a photo of them, but it's folded in a way so that you can't see the mother. Almost like the dad is like trying to forget, like uh, you know, his ex-wife or whatever. 
So do you think there was any like kind of uh, underlying message or story or like uh, some metaphor about, um, you know, this whole idea of like a witch making forget people, how like parents like when they get divorced or like families that split up are trying to forget families and things like that? Um, Yeah, maybe there was. Maybe that's what they were trying to go for. I think they could have made that a bit more obvious. Um, Yeah. That's I'm surprised you even picked up on that. That's not yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you, but um, <laughs> it, yeah, because I mean it's kind of a stretch, really. But yeah, maybe that's a bit what they were trying to go for. I yeah, because you know the the mother, his mother is always like very much in the background in this film. She calls from time to time, but um, yeah, it's just it feels like very weird that when she calls and it's kind of like an afterthought. And then the movie ends with him and and like reconciling with the mother and uh, her uh, his dad is with them as well. Uh, so I, I, I felt like there was like some kind of family vibe going on here, but I think a better movie would have uh, hit on that more and made that journey a little bit more uh, apparent because this one I don't think really went into that much. Yeah, and speaking of the family thing, I just felt like this kid, there was no relationship in the movie that I cared about. Yeah. He had this tiny romance with this girl that he worked with, but they didn't really have any chemistry. Yeah. And that wasn't yeah. developed very well. There wasn't much to it. Yeah. Um, him and his dad had this, you know, angsty teenager thing going on there. He stood up a date with, not a date, but like a dinner to meet his dad's new girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it all just felt like it was there because it had to be. It didn't didn't develop the characters or the relationships or force any tough decisions or mm-hmm. lead to any moments of glory or reconciliation. It, yeah. No, I, yeah. Kind of dropped the boat on all that. Yeah. 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 Back. Yeah. I, <laughs> is, that, is that what you say? <laughs> Forgot a sailing lesson there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I feel like this had the start of like a lot of great uh, movies, but didn't have like the ending of like a great horror film. Like, didn't wrap up any of these storylines or give you like that release that that you would uh, expect or right like, uh, yeah, yeah and i feel like because you don't really know ben that well you don't really get much of a payout yeah yeah exactly uh even the neighbors like i mean they you know the, yeah they they get abducted by the switch but you don't really know them well enough to like kind of fear for them too much right um yeah and i mean stuff. his brother cool trick i don't know it, it just seemed like a cheap parlor trick that he had this brother that yeah. like it, it just didn't add anything to the movie, and in fact, it may have almost taken away from the movie because he had no relationship with his brother then, because we never yeah. saw his brother. Totally, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And even like you could have even just worked in something where he maybe remembers something about a certain object in the house, like a baseball or something, right? And then yeah, at the so- end, like have him say like can't wait to play catch with you again or something <laughs> stupid i would have failed making this movie but yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like there's no something sentimental. There when he sees his brother it's just like okay there's a, a person who is small and he saves that person it's not yeah. like oh his yeah. brother reunited I, I don't think his brother says like one line in the film does he <laughs> oh <No>, right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean because we only know of him for like 10 minutes at the end uh so that's yeah i, I agree that that's a really weird awkward one to do uh, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I was m- missing heart sentiment. Uh, I also had an issue the f- with the fact that like the opening was 35 years ago, which has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, though, does it? Yeah, that was just there because you need a they needed a hook. But yeah, it had zero implication on the rest of the movie. It just told you what we were working with here. 
Yeah. And also like why 35 years ago? Why not like 10 years ago or something or 50? Right. Right. Yeah. It was just random to me. Yeah. Yeah. A way to show you that there is this creature and that this symbol means something. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They did all these things just to like, okay, these are the pieces we have to put in place for the way we want things to play out to play out. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like very mechanical in a way. Yeah. Just, uh, what was needed. Um, yeah, so I, I guess uh, how, how many uh, guts spilling out of a buck would you give this one? I surprisingly give this three guts spilling out of a buck. Mm, generous. Yeah, I do think it was engaging. I think what they did well here was the suspense, the mystery, um, and the, the horror sequences. And the creature effects were good. Sometimes the visual effects and that twitchiness kind of... Um, muddied the waters for me and wasn't as appealing to me, but I thought the practical <laughs> effects were good. Yeah. And as a monster movie, it was entertaining, like popcorn entertaining, but the uh, all the problems we just mentioned keep me from giving it any higher. I was kind of at a 2.5, but yeah. yeah. By the end of the movie, I was like, well, I had fun, so three. Yeah, hey, you're right. It's definitely fun and like harmless and uh, yeah, a good popcorn movie. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel the same. I, I only gave it two and a half uh, guts, um, mostly because I, I, th- I think, yeah, it, it didn't really add up. And I feel like it was trying to be a fun summer movie, but then also kind of a scary witch movie. But it kind of like didn't hit the uh, ball hard enough on either of those. Um, so, I, yeah, it just kind of felt like a lot of interesting ideas put together. But uh, for some reason, it didn't feel like very uh, cohesive or impactful. And the ending felt like kind of anticlimactic. And then that twist was just like, uh, yeah, hard to kind of stomach a little bit. Yeah, I think ditch the twist and you really could have spent a lot of time and energy focusing on making this a better, well-rounded story. Yeah, yeah, I mean, focusing more on the characters and their relationships. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Cool. All right, so anything else you'd call out about this one? Uh, I think that's about it. All right, well, cool. That is it then for our discussion on The Wretched. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always welcome the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with other horror fans and listeners, so you can find that link on our website. We have a Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on etsy.com. And until next time, if you're suspecting there's a witch next door that's going to make you forget about your family, keep some digital copies of all your photos, just in case. (laughs) Everybody had printed out photos in this movie. I know, right? (laughs) No one's on that uh, Google Photos yet. (laughs) I hate that trope of a picture being like folded so you can't see another person. (laughs) Use another picture. (laughs) Crop a photo, man. Yeah.